Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is TEP. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. and welcome to the computer resume podcast the show covering the entire star trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old i'm your host writer comedian mr todd a davis from his basement where he's currently hiding from his wife and children and thinking of nothing except starting another podcast it's drew burris hello everybody (laughs) welcome back it's good to be back how you been man I've been doing really good. There has been a lot of of a particular captain's name in the the news this past week. <laughs> I think I know what you're referring to. What do you got? So, I mean, it, it, there there was this um, this big game that happened uh, last last week. Um, was it was it if you had to describe it in size, would you say it was super it, superb? If there okay. was if it was a bird, it'd probably be an owl. Oh, okay. It'd be a really good owl. It'd be like a superb owl. Okay. Yeah. Super. Uh, okay. All right. I. It has something to do with birds, doesn't it? <laughs> birds of prey. No. <laughs> no. Um, so, anyways, that's, that's a different. That's a different uh, starship and a different uh, comic book affiliation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's a particular a particular uh, a trailer for a new Marvel movie came out, and of course that movie might be out by the time this episode releases. I'm not sure when that yeah, movie's coming true. out. Uh, <laughs> and we hear a particular line of a particular person, and if that's not Patrick Stewart, I will uh, deep fry and eat a hat. Um, <laughs> you I, heard it I, here first, folks. <laughs> I have said this many times, maybe too many. And I'm starting to doubt myself, despite the fact that I would know that voice anywhere. If that is an impersonator, it is a very, very good impersonator. It could be Brent Spiner. He has a really solid Patrick Stewart impression. <laughs> Brent Spiner's in this movie. I'm, I'm, uh, I'll eat a visor. Hey, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, uh, the new uh, Doctor Strange uh, movie that's coming had a teaser during the Super Bowl, and we are pretty sure we actually talked about this a little bit before we started rolling. We are pretty sure that we heard Patrick Stewart in that trailer, which means we might get the X-Men crossover we've been longing for for so, so long, and I'm so excited. But you're absolutely right. Like His voice is so distinct, and I know it's the voice of my childhood, or at least one yes. of them. Uh, yeah, how could that not be Patrick Stewart? It, it has to be. It has to be. Um, just, the, I don't know. He has gone on record as of yesterday saying that people have been doing impersonations of him since he first set foot on the stage in the 1960s. And of course, he, when he said it, it sounded a lot cooler and refined, dignified. Of course. Uh, <laughs> well, my, you know, it, my Patrick, my Patrick Stewart impression, not very good. <laughs> 
I, I'll refrain from doing mine here, although I've gotten positive feedback on it. <laughs> but I, I need I, I am I'm sorry, I might need to hear this right now. Okay, I tell you what, we'll save that for your finale appearance. I'll, okay, I'll, let me okay. I, let me iron out a couple of uh, a couple of wrinkles <laughs> and let me see if I can make it happen again. Work um, on it for a week. <laughs> yeah, I'll work on it for a week since I didn't do your other uh, homework assignment and listen to the oh, other version yeah. of Faith of the Heart. <laughs> Well, there's another week for that too. Um, but before we uh, depart from the idea of the multiverse, uh, I read an article earlier this week from Screen Rant about their idea for Star Trek Four. Now, I mean, apparently it's been on again, off again. Yes, it's happening. Well, we're not sure. Okay, it's for sure. Now, who's, who's going to do what? We don't know. But they were saying uh, the long and short of it with the Screen Rant article was that it was too late to do a Star Trek four. It's been too long of a gap. Nobody really cares about that cast anymore. I, I, I disagree. I think those movies are a lot of fun despite their flaws. It's just, it's just fun. Star Trek alternate universe type stuff. Like if you dig, if you dig the mirror universe, this is just another universe and it's a lot of fun to play with. I think they got a great cast and, you know, great production. I'm all for it, but they're, I I, I think they were turning those movies around with beyond. Yeah. Um, I think so too. I enjoyed the first movie a lot Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. walking out of walking out of into darkness. I had a good time. But as I reflected upon Into Darkness, as the days and months and weeks and years went on, I, I'm, I'm a big uh, opponent to that film. Wow. <laughs> I, I do not like Into Darkness. I, I think that there are too many plot holes, the too many, too many other things, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's a whole other, uh, it's a whole other conversation that we don't need to get into because I'd probably need to see it again to have an honest conversation about it. Right. But, uh, but the big, the big point. But Star that... Trek Beyond was great. I love Star Trek yes. Beyond. <laughs> yes. And then the, the article made a point to say, Hey, look, you know, 2009 hit and did gangbusters, uh, you know, part two into darkness came out and made a lot of money, but a lot of people didn't like it. And then beyond came out and a lot of people liked it, but it didn't do very well in the box office. They said, look, if you really want to revisit these characters in a world where multiverses are happening in our media, see see the uh the marvel universe which we were just talking about have them have them crossover you know there's lots of crossovers happening already have them crossover into one of the tv shows and i don't know i i'd be down for that i think it'd be fun it'd have to be you know it'd have to be like this huge epic event or like a series finale type scenario but I think. even even something like that yeah. uh, is is there's a fine line and and I will say the closest they have gotten to anything approaching that, and they did it very well expertly, you might say, is in Deep Space Nine Trials and Tribulations. When you had the Deep Space Nine cast go back in time to the original series era Mm -hmm. and put on the costumes and, and they use the Forrest Gump technology to put insert them into scenes and all of that. Like that, that's great. I don't trust the creative forces behind either current Star Trek productions on Paramount plus and Paramount pictures, bad robot, whoever happens to be running that to, Uh, to do that and not have it feel off. Yeah. I mean, they'd have to, it'd have to be, like I said, it would have to be something so huge in terms of narrative of like, 
man, how are they going to get out of this? Well, um, well you know, it, it, it does, it know. does, it does strike me that there has already been a crossover between the Kelvin timeline as it is officially called now mm-hmm. and the, the original timeline with spot it, it, going over. Well, I guess there's been two then. <laughs> oh, I'm missing one. What am, what am I missing? Because in, in uh, Star Trek discovery season three, mm-hmm. uh, where uh, spoilers for Star Trek discovery, the ship is transported hundreds of years into the future. Okay. We are introduced to a, uh, a person who has been, because this is post the, the time, the, the time wars, the, the uh, temporal cold war. Right, right, right. We are oddly, oddly, uh, not directly referenced in the enterprise episode we watched today, but a big part of, of enterprise as a whole, this mm-hmm. is this temporal cold war, right. uh, where they, they introduce, uh, uh, this sort of f- faction of the Federation that is monitoring all these things, uh, I don't know if they have identified it because I'm behind on season four of discovery, but they introduce a character who crossed over at a particular year. And that particular year is the year that uh, the, uh, the, the Narada came through. Oh, okay. I didn't put and, that and, together with the timeline. You know, they, they, they only mention it. They mentioned like, I think that in a sector of space, it was an alien uh, species that we have never seen before. They were actually wearing the wrong uniform in the preview footage, and then they had to they had to digitally uh, fix it because he was wearing a, a TNG season one, season two uniform with the stripe. Oh, but okay. In the in the next time on footage, he's wearing mm-hmm. the the uh, DS late DS nine Voyager uh, bat com badge. The, uh. the, this uh, com badge and yeah, yeah, the yeah. oval com badge. This is the kind of I'm sorry. No, this, this is, is great. This is great. I, I, <laughs> I sometimes forget when I just go off on 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 rambles about the just mo- the the minutia of this stuff that it's like. Remember, people are listening to this. You gotta- <laughs> this is a safe space. <laughs> we started with Marvel, but we are deep, deep into Trek now. <laughs> So yeah, that's the uh, that's the second crossover between the uh, the the JJ timeline, the Kelvin verse, and the original timeline. And it's a character who only appears as a hologram, doesn't have a single line, is just a guy standing there. Wow. Uh, and uh, thanks for listening to my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's it's funny because a couple of people have asked me because we're covering this in chronological order. If I'm going to cover if I'm going to cover the Kelvin timeline. How am I going to do it? Like, are we going to do it all as one thing? Or are we going to do just a short series of the Kelvin timeline? And to be honest, the, the, I say, I say the, short an- the short answer is, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's really only three episodes that you're going to get out of the Kelvin timeline. Well, because I'm also covering the comics attached to them. Oh, there's a comic series for, yeah. for the first one and for Into Darkness. And I mean. And, and they were canon. They were Star Trek canon for the first time. And because uh-huh. uh, because that's something that that I, I don't know if you've talked about the the alpha canon and beta canon of star trek literature uh that we i haven't gotten into it much just because uh i'm such a slow reader comics are about all i can handle um and uh yeah you know there's so many star trek novels out there i couldn't even hope to dent it um with everything else i'm trying to do 
but that's the thing about Star Trek novels is that when, unlike the Star Wars expanded universe mm-hmm. and the old Star Wars expanded universe, they wrote a lot of novels. The novels do not matter. They were never considered anything other than just people deciding to to write them, and and that right. includes the youth focused novels of the uh, the the Starfleet Academy books that I owned all of and i had the action <laughs> figures they had an action figure line for the starfleet academy books i gotta find out actually and oh. I, I know exactly where those action figures are they're in a bin right there five go get them me. go get them well there it's 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 in a there's stuff on top of the bin it's it's my entire star trek collection maybe i will maybe i'll maybe next Throw them up week, on your instagram <laughs> something with them hey it's because i mean i'm dangerously close to i found this little gem at my local comic book store it's uh one of the gold key one of the gold key comics they had a, oh, they, nice. had a they had a handful of them so i was just like yeah I, w- I went there to grab some D stuff and i was like oh, I'm, I'm gonna grab a gold key issue of star trek just for just for shit or for shit <laughs> and giggles <laughs> <laughs> all right next next week next week i will yes i will dip in i'm gonna have to do a lot i tell of you what I, t- I tell you what because you strike me as a guy who has a lot of cool star trek swag let's Next week, let's get um let's each pick three, like our best three pieces of Star Trek memorabilia, and maybe we'll maybe we'll do it as a bonus episode. Okay, 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 okay. Will that work? Yeah. All right. I, I, I've already got I've already got one picked out. It's it's one that I well okay. All right. <laughs> my lips right there. Thumbs the word. All right. Uh, okay. I, a last movie thing did you see the the they they leaked what the the quentin tarantino star trek movie was gonna be no oh yeah it was it's not happening (laughs) definitely not happening yeah it would have been tarantino r-rated oh yeah absolutely (laughs) but what what was his whole thing it was based on that tos episode where they go to the planet and it's like the 1930s gangsters is that not the big goodbye what is that one um oh uh, let's see a piece of the action yep that's it so it was going to be based on a piece of the action except instead of just going to a 1920s style gangster planet there it was going to involve time travel and the the crew of presumably the enterprise but potentially another ship was going to end up going back in time to the 1920s the movie would largely take place in the 1920s with very little taking place on the ship itself. Hmm. And, uh, and might yeah, be, it, might be fun. I, look, you know, I, I, I could see it working, but I could also <laughs> see it not. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, yeah, yeah. I see. Uh, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like with Quentin Tarantino, you'd get, you'd get like the opening of the movie like it would just like the movie would just start and it would get about halfway through. And then like someone at the con would turn around to Kirk and be like, sir, I'm reading a disturbance and they don't even finish their sentence and it just cuts off. And uh, like, you'll see the, you see the, um, the cigarette burn in the corner of the screen. And then the trailers start like the trailers for here's what's upcoming from such and such and blah, 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 blah. And then what you think is actually, a different movie altogether. Like you saw, like you saw a scene that someone had cut in from, from the new star Trek movie. And then it just goes away. And then this 1920s movie starts 
And it's not, you know, 15, 20 minutes into that, that you actually finally get a look at, you know, Kirk and the crew, you know, in fedoras and, and, <laughs> and doing their thing like, oh, okay. So the disturbance that happened, like pulled the ship in. And then like at the end, we, we, you know, they actually go back to like, okay, at, you know, when this disturbance happened, we got sucked in and now I mean, we're here. And then Tar- Tar- the movie Tarantino, ends. Tarantino has name checked yesterday's enterprise on stuff when he's talking about Star Trek as with the, when the ship, when the enterprise C flies through and everything just suddenly flashes and is different. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I, why not? Look, I, I championed uh, someone hiring uh, Guillermo del Toro to do a short Trek episode. I think they need to start doing more of that stuff of like, Hey, let's bring them in to do a short trek. And then it's kind of, you remember that series masters of horror, like let Paramount reach out to some of these, you know, big name film directors and be like, Hey, look, you got, you got 20 minutes. We'll give you 20 <laughs> minutes to do a star Trek short. You know, here's, here's Param- everything you got at your disposal and whatever and, and, story and you want to do. Paramount plus, if you need producers for this content, if you need you know, people to, 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 <laughs> you know, put the things to, together and make sure that everybody's on the same page, you know, get it, get I'll do it. I, you know, I'm really busy, but I, I can make some time. Okay. Well, all right. Twist my arm. Fine. <laughs> Whatever. We'll, Just We'll produce the show and take a co-creator credit. It's fine. <laughs> oh man. But, uh, okay. So enough, uh, dancing around, uh, Star Trek, uh, out the outskirts of Star Trek. Let's get into, let's get into what really matters. This season three episode of Enterprise. <laughs> oh man, uh, what you uh, just cursory thoughts? Like, what what'd you think of this episode off the bat? Honestly, pretty good. This was a decent episode. Yeah, yeah, I really um, like it. I took a lot of notes about this, which is usually uh, ind- indicative of me wanting to make uh, notes of things that I like and want to talk about. Well, um, I mean, do you want to do? You, should we go ahead and into the? Uh, into the recap and then let's, let's just and then just you know let loose the floodgates yeah let's recap it up spoiler alert spoiler alert spoiler alert the enemy has created a device i don't know where the weapon is being built and when it's going to be ready that will destroy earth looks like some kind of countdown you have to get out of here then in two weeks the unthinkable happens earth destroyed star trek enterprise at the Zindi Council, Degra reports that the weapon to destroy Earth should be ready in a matter of weeks. Sucks. The coordinates provided by Tarquin in last week's episode lead Enterprise to a planet, and the crew decide to hide the ship behind a moon while a space bus crewed by Archer, Reed, and Major Hayes makes its approach. What you gonna do when they come for you? Evading detection, they land and enter a Zindi settlement, where they find a great quantity of chemosite being refined. Great. They observe Gralic Durr and two associates discussing the deal they have to mine the chemosite for Degra. The away team beams up a canister of chemosite for analysis and then follow Gralic back to his home, where they confront him. T'Pol's analysis shows that the Zindi probe which attacked Earth back in Season 2, Episode 26, contained chemosite. I'll have to take an extra strength vitamin, duh. Duh. Archer then tells Gralic that Degra will use the chemosite to build a weapon, but the Arboreal denies any knowledge of the plan. Meanwhile, back on Enterprise, Trip also learns that the chemosite is the key to reptilian rifle technology. 
Archer approves his idea to reverse engineer a rifle, but Trip unknowingly triggers a self-destruct sequence and the weapon is beamed into space where it explodes. On the planet, Archer decides not to destroy the Chemosite mining complex as he doesn't want the Zindi to think of them as aggressors. Great. Greylick explains that Degra told him that the Chemosite was for research and explains how the avian race were assumed to be made extinct in the Zindi Civil War. A reptilian shuttle arrives early, carrying Degra, to collect the final shipment of Chemosite. Sucks! Greylick takes the away team to a cave that will protect them from scans, but they are soon discovered by robotic drones sent by the reptilians. When Greylick returns home, he is confronted by Degra, who reveals the true purpose of the Chemosite, to build a weapon to destroy a ruthless alien species. Meanwhile, T'Pol modified the canister of Chemosite so that Enterprise can track it. Archer manages to sneak it aboard the Zindi shuttle, and after the reptilians leave, Archer thanks Greylick for his trust and help. I don't care! Okay, so since you've got copious notes on this episode, let me just put out my uh, my two cents here before I let you, you know, open the floodgates here. I love, love, love a good heist and a good heist movie. <laughs> and this made me want to see sort of an Ocean's Eleven type thing with uh within the Star Trek universe. I don't know. Ar- How do Archer's you... Eleven. <laughs> yeah, Archer's Eleven. Oh, that would be so great. Um. Yeah, how do you uh do, do you have any favorite heist movies? I mean, o- Ocean's Eleven's a pretty good one. Um, uh, sadly, I though I do enjoy a good heist movie. Right now, anytime I think of heist movies, I can only think of the Rick and Morty episode where they make fun of heist movies, and that <laughs> that is occupying my entire brain uh, when it comes to heists right now. Nice, and that's not fair to heist movies. <laughs> <laughs> Although to be fair. Rick and Morty probably just as well written. Yes, I mean that that <laughs> that episode in particular is fantastic. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, okay, so that's that's really all I got. Let's go ahead and dive into your notes about this episode. What do you got? So I really uh, so I mentioned in the last episode that I am not the biggest fan of Captain Archer as a right. character. Right. Um, and that plays a lot into this episode, but it, it, it doesn't, it, it, he gets a little redemption for me here. Yeah. Um, and that is all based around the character of Grey Lichter. Mm-hmm. Grey Lichter, who was a Zindi arboreal. And by the way, I, I'm sure you've talked about the Zindi already. That, that whole concept of the Zindi as six different intelligent species that come up on the same planet, like yeah. that, that's... That's cool. Star Trek has done that. They've done, obviously they've done in the past, like two intelligent species that come up on the same planet and others have done that, but, but, but six and to have them all, you know, that's, I don't know. I like that a lot. It's something that you don't see done very often. It's a cool concept for sure. I think it's a interesting way to examine. um, I think it's an interesting way to examine race race relations and, you know, international differences um, amongst ourselves. But I mean, they just depict them as one giant evil thing trying to kill us all. So maybe that says more about the writers. (laughs) Well, they, they do and they don't because in this episode, we learn from, from Greylick what happened to these Zindi avians. Right. And 
and the destruction of the Zindi home planet that we found out about earlier in the season, uh, though we find out why, is a result of this gigantic civil war between all of the different Zindi species before they came together somehow. Uh, that, that I'm not sure that that's been explained yet or if, it, if it's ever explained on screen. Mm. But, but this is where uh, Greylick having that connection to the past, his grandfather lived on Zindi Prime and would just tell him about the planet and all the avians flying around and the sky full of them and and not wanting to be a part of that and feeling guilt that his uh his, his you know production of chemocyte is the thing that allowed that to happen mm-hmm. um chemocyte <laughs> nerd alert um <laughs> Yeah, that's a new bumper for you. You can use that. Um, <laughs> uh, don't think, I, don't is, think I'm not clipping that out for sure. <laughs> uh, this is not the first time that chemocyte has appeared in Star Trek. Uh, it, ha- it, the, the, it has appeared a couple of times, but in the most probably notable uh, episode that chemocyte shows up in is Deep Space Nine's Little Green Men, where... Oh. Uh, where it is res- Quark smuggling chemocyte on his his shuttle is responsible for Quark, Ra- uh, Ram, and Nog getting transported back to the 1940s and being the Roswell aliens in a, yeah. in a fantastic episode. Um, <laughs> I, I may have read this wrong, but I believe this episode might have been written by the same person. Hmm. Uh, you know, I you know, <laughs> we'll look this written by Chris Black and Brent Friedman. Let's see. Um, uh, nope, nope, different well, then folks. Never mind. Yeah, that well, would have been cool though. That then, <laughs> uh, Little Green Men was written earlier. by uh Tony Marbury and Jack Trevino. Trevino, then, and then not, the not any was... of the people that I mentioned. So, you know what? I, yeah. I retract my <laughs> previous nerd alert. That's um, okay, that's all right. This is a but, safe uh, place, but but this is uh, but talking about uh, uh, Grey Lictor is also where there's a lot of present day politics well of the time because this would have come out in 2004 uh, 2003 2003 i think yeah and talking about chemocyte and how it needs to be pro- properly uh, uh properly made and and uh and and properly purified and however they they call it um in order for for it to be used for what they're using he might also call that weapons grade chemocyte yeah <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and and if you look at 2003 and things that were going on worldwide at that point a lot of season three of enterprise is is searching borrows, for weapons of mass destruction weapon, searching for weapons of mass destruction borrowing heavily from from the politics of the day in a way yeah. that 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 star trek had not really done since the original series honestly yeah i think you know the tng era really focused on sort of um popular uh, you know popular culture and things that were going in that direction and yeah not really staying staying clear not really staying tight to the political dealings of the day like tos did but i think with 9 11 happening like right at the beginning of this series i don't think you can ignore i don't think the writer's room could ignore something like this and yeah definitely need well, to it, well, talk about it. it that raises a very interesting uh concept and possibly a very heavy one so feel free to completely deflect from what i'm about to say but as as a child who i was born in the 80s i grew up in the 90s i, mm-hmm. I spent my teenage years like i i 
I was 16 in the year 2000. Uh, it, it is, it's one of those things where as I lo- look back with fondness of that time and I think back about it, it was a time that yes, we had, you know, political struggles. We had all of this, you know, the, the same kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. from a, you know, middle-class American standpoint, yeah, the world was doing all right. We, we had hope. We had all this stuff that was going to happen. Right. We had, you know, bright colors everywhere and, and, and we were recycling and all, and all of these things ah, that, yes. <laughs> that, that, that happened. And we were and still living, we were still living off of all of our Y2K prep. Well, but, but, but even, even pre and goods and yeah, all even, that, but crap. even pre Y2K, it's like, if you look at the, if you look at the, the, the media of the nineties, oh like, yeah, it was it everything. I mean, it was just a generally more hopeful time. And I say that not trying to imply anything, but then nine 11 happens and everything changes and the mm-hmm. world is never the same after that, mm-hmm. that, that sense of safety, that sense of, of prosperity turned into something different. And that is where this season of enterprise in particular is really capitalizing. That's where the, the Battlestar Galactica reboot, which I guess didn't start until 2004. I always think of them being as being the same time, but yeah, uh, they were kind of spinning up slightly, slightly off kilter from each other. And that, that is, is one of those things that is reflected here in a way that I don't think I necessarily gave it that credit the first time that I was watching it. Mm. And, and, and I say that to talk a little bit about Archer. So Archer as a, a character, I love Scott Bakula. I have nothing against Scott Bakula. I think in fact, his performance as Archer is great. Uh, but I look at Archer versus, you know, Picard, Kirk, mm-hmm. Janeway, uh, Cisco, these, these people at the top of their game. And I look at Archer, he got the captaincy because his dad made the ship. He's not always, he doesn't always know how to handle things diplomatically. There was that whole episode where his dog peed on the sacred tree in this, on this planet. And it's like, uh-huh. why didn't you take the dog? Yeah. Why did you take the dog? <laughs> and, oh and, 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 and the way he, he, he kind of throws himself around in a very American expansionist way. Yeah. Like you'd, you'd see the same kind of thing in old Westerns. You see it a lot in, 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 but he's also very much a character of the, the early 2000s America as he uh-huh. is the, 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 you know, the old West America. And, and that's, that's notable here in that he is very rightly extremely angry with Greylick and Zindi and he's pointing a gun in this guy's face. There are not many Star Trek captains who will point a gun in someone's face to threaten them. Oh, yeah. And Archer does that. It is the most interesting Archer by far, but it is my least favorite version of Archer because it's so opposite of what a Star Trek captain should be. Mm -hmm. But it works. It works in this moment. And as you go through this episode and we we and and Greylick and Archer sort of bond and and he tells them the story of the of Zindi Prime and and. And they start to trust each other and you see real change happening. And all of a sudden Archer, who was gung ho about destroying that facility. It's like, mm-hmm. well, maybe we should put up some, some blast shield so that we only destroy the facility, nothing else. And then to, well, if we destroy this facility, they didn't know what was going on. And, and we could look as like aggressors. We could be the people that the, Zindi that they think, Council that they think we think are, we are. Yeah. And, and, and that, 
that growth that you see over the course of this episode is it's it feels natural and it really 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 works yeah i think we saw we got a glimpse of that um i think we got a glimpse of that in the season two finale when earth was initially attacked um and then you know uh Archer having to sort of keep his emotions in check while also trying to comfort his friend Trip, who just lost his sister. Oh, and probably a ton of other people too. I mean, Earth lost, forget how many seven million, million people. Yeah, yeah, seven million people. And then <laughs> jump forward to um to the episode Anomaly, which uh we talked about with uh, my my wife Kat. Uh, in our anniversary episode a little while back um, where Archer, they, they capture one of these pirates and Archer tosses them in an airlock and just go ahead and depressurizes it. And just like, okay, let me know when you're ready to talk. Like, holy crap. (laughs) Like he's, he is done, dude. He's like, yeah. Diplomacy out the window. Like you're going to tell us what we want to know. Or you're going to (laughs) die. That is that the, that is a Cisco, uh obliterating that maquis planet yes. atmosphere kind of uh-huh. move <laughs> yeah yeah and it's kind of like you know it's kind of been a lot of the fun and games up until this point of like oh my dog peed on your tree guess i'm gonna have to do this chainsaw ritual like and <laughs> nope nope you know stuff it's getting real man oh like, golly gee you're sharks, pissing, i just want to watch the water polo match <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and uh yeah this has been I think this has been long overdue and I think we are really getting some, certainly some great performances out of Scott Bakula and some real character growth because now we're seeing him. Okay. You were kind of appointed to be captain, but let's see you earn it. Yeah. And these are the opportunities he has to earn that captain's chair. And it's, it's not, it's not so easy. (laughs) No, and, and 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 you see him making this this having this growth and making this connection, and obviously it's not putting a human face on things, but it's putting a human face on 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 the pe- the Zindi people that they have not yet done so. Uh-huh. Uh, so far, they they've been. I, I I think that they've really only seen Zindi through the 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 sphere transmission that they got. That that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, this I don't is think the, they've had. I don't think they've had a lot of interaction with the Zindi other than, um, you know, folks who have also interacted with Zindi, but yeah, yeah. Not much, not much of anything. I mean, and that's, that's one of the things I mentioned a couple episodes back about how they, you know, production wise, I think it would have been smarter to have these figures in shadow. I mean, they've got, we've got some great prosthetics. We've got some great digital effects and that's all, that's all well and good. But I, you know, we see them like take a picture, take a, Take a page out of Spielberg's book. Don't show us the shark. Like, well, they were they were them... trying to do, they were trying to keep that for their like weird 30th century <laughs> uh, man in black whatever transmission person that they never paid off because the show got canceled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else you got for this episode, man? Huh? So, so that that is one thing I really loved the stuff on the planet between between Zindi and or between Zindi between Archer and and Grey Lichter. Um, I did appreciate the the Tucker Flocks uh, comedy cavalcade of them trying to figure out this gun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for taking sure. It, taking it apart, finding out it has uh, 
you know, uh, biological components to it. And, oh, it will, we'll bring in flocks. It's like, oh, yes, uh, Commander, if you expose it to this specific radiation, it will kill it. But don't expose it to this radiation. It makes them uh, reproduce frantically. <laughs> like, <you're> just, <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, and, and of course, leading to them trying to fire the weapon in uh, in on the ship to test it. Um, to Paul, not too happy with this idea. And you know what I say to that? Say to Paul was right. They're right next to the photonic torpedoes. Why are they firing Why? this unknown weapon right next to the most powerful weapons on the ship? It doesn't make any sense. Yes. Why are you doing this trip? Well, you know what? They've had they've had firing range practice in there too a couple times. And I'm thinking, really, tactical officer? You, you want to do it right next to the torpedoes? Jeez. Uh, but um, here's another nerd alert. Um, it's a little different take if you want to use that one. Um, <laughs> uh, they set up a, a series of, of force field emitters uh, inside the armory when they're in, the, in front of a duranium plate that they're going to shoot this gun at. Mm-hmm. Did you make a note of anything interesting about those force field emitters? Uh, nothing that jumps out at me. They're little sphere, uh, like uh, uh, round circular discs that have mm-hmm. these four little pointy antennas coming off of them. Mm-hmm. Those antennas were modeled after Uhura's space Bluetooth. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That's hilarious. <laughs> wow. Or if they weren't modeled on them, they definitely look a lot like them because that is, that is exactly what those things look like to me. Um, it's all coming beyond, back around. <laughs> yeah. uh, beyond that. Oh man, I got to go through all these notes because I have so much, uh, so much on my list here. Um, other little, little things. The drones are fun, but made little sense to me. Um, that that's, they yeah. needed an action. They needed an action scene in the, in the episode and they got one. Yeah. Um, I, I did uh, love little tiny CG archer running to the, uh, to the CG ship. That was yes. very funny. Uh, and, uh, and and last but not least, when Archer is sneaking onto the ship to plant the 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 altered chemocyte, because this is this is this is beautiful. They don't have chemocyte that is like gonna blow up the weapon or anything like that because they get caught. They just have chemocyte. It's got a little tracking tracking module in it that mm-hmm. that they can find. And of course, uh, Degra and the Zindi reptilian are starting to walk back to the ship right as <laughs> right as Archer is still on, and it's like y- y'all got a transporter. I know y'all don't use the transporter for people, but it's not like you haven't transported Archer himself before. Just beam the boy out. He'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, got a ship full of, uh, got a ship full of McCoys. I'm like, oh, I don't want my atoms scattered to the winds. <laughs> well, McCoy's <laughs> case, I, I, I kind of, uh, kind of agree with McCoy. Yeah, that's true. I mean, well, if- we were, we were talking about, uh, I think I was discussing that with, uh, one of my former, uh, guests on the show about you know if they basically just store your uh your chemical makeup and your synapse your synapse pattern you know making your transporter pattern do they essentially kill you and then just build you a new body and insert all the chemicals and uh electrical uh synapse fires to make you you so essentially i I mean when you are transported you're killed. <laughs> is the transporter a death trap is a common question. And I, I think, yes, I think I the think answer is, is yes. Yeah. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> but even if it's not like think back to Star Trek, the motion picture, when 
McCoy's going to get beamed up at the ship. Who beams up right before him? <laughs> that lieutenant, that Vulcan lieutenant that dies horribly on the transporter pad. <laughs> like, I don't blame him for, no. for the way he feels about that. Um, yeah. you, got any, and, uh, you got anything else about this episode? Uh, so I just, I, I do want to give a big call out to the actor who plays Greylick Durr, um, uh, John Cothran Jr. I know you have a section about, about uh, cast members of this. He's a, he's a name that you have seen in other episodes. He's, he plays a lot of aliens. He's played a couple of Klingons. Uh, he was one of the Klingons in the TNG episode, The Chase. Uh, which is a fun episode. Nice. But he was also one of the characters, and this is, I, I warned you about the, my little my little side trip, my Star Trek side trip today. He was a character in the Star Trek FMV Mist style game, Star Trek Borg. Really? Have you ever heard of this game before? No. I mean, I'm familiar with uh, the video game Mist, but I didn't realize they did a Star Trek one of those. Yes, I never got to play this back in the day because I didn't think my computer could run it. But as I look at it now, according to to Memory Alpha, at least my computer could have run it. And now I'm kicking 1996 true for not finding a copy of this. But Star Trek Borg uh, out in 1996 is uh, about Cadet Kalen Furlong. Your father was killed by the Borg in the Battle of Wolf 359. Now, 10 years later, the Borg are attacking again. And Starfleet won't allow you to stay aboard the starship USS Cheyenne to avenge your father's death. But Q will. He'll do better than that. In fact, he'll take you back in time 10 years and put you on the same ship as your father and give you a chance to save him and the entire Federation. It's a mission of extreme danger, difficult choices, and surprising results. Ooh. <laughs> and- and it plays out like mist where, but with, with like actors in costumes yeah, uh, uh, doing different things. And notably, as I have looked this up, uh, it is the only appearance of John Delancey in a Borg costume. Really? It is also the only appearance in John Delancey in a science blue Starfleet uniform. Ooh, so and, everybody look for that on our Instagram. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, Memory Alpha has the picture of 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 the Q Borg, but uh, not the not the the science blue Q, uh, oh. which is just is just fun. Um, this is where I got confused. Um, one of the writers of Star Trek Borg wrote Little Green Men, the, oh. the that episode. That is where I was getting my wires crossed because again, I I did a lot of looking at, at this today, and <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome uh, though. Yeah, that sounds like love- fun. There's got to be a cheap a cheap version of the game out there because that must have come out um, mid to late nineties, ninety six, ninety six. So the, the the question is, if you can find it. Could you actually have, find something to play it on? And that's what I will uh, spend some time figuring out later. <laughs> yes, please. And here's your other here's your other homework <laughs> is report back to us. You're gonna be our uh, you're gonna be our uh, our um, our correspondent, our field correspondent for the show. <laughs> we'll just we'll we'll have you search out old Star Trek games and just report back. <laughs> I played a lot of them back in the day too. Uh, wow, most of them. <laughs> not very good <laughs> yeah there were a lot of them that weren't very good i imagine um well as we do every week we uh we take a look at the episode and we ask ourselves who do we blame uh this episode was written by chris black uh his last episode uh was season three episode four regine 
Uh, he did the teleplay uh, for this. And then Brent V. Friedman, who also uh, who also worked on Regine, uh, he did the story and teleplay uh, for that episode. This episode was directed by Mr. David Strayton, whose last episode directing was season three, episode two, Anomaly, which I mentioned earlier, uh, which we covered in our one year anniversary episode uh, with my lovely wife. Kat Davis and a new executive producer of the computer resume podcast. Um, uh, we got some, a uh, few returning guest stars here, Mr. Randy Oglesby and Mr. Stephen Culp as Degra and major Hayes respectively. And uh, aside from uh, uh, what's the name of the guy, the guy we just finished talking about. <laughs> oh, uh, gray lictor, John Col- Cothran jr. Yeah. John Cothran jr. Uh, aside from him, the only really notable person is the guy who plays sloth number three. And uh, I don't normally get into like characters that are something and a number after them. I don't really get into those I, that much. I forgive you for this one. Yeah, this one, we kind of have to mention it. Uh, sloth number three was played by Mr. Sam Whitwer. If you don't know who Sam Whitwer is, buckle up. Here we go. His first credit was on ER season seven, episode 20. That was back in 2001. Uh, This was his first appearance in the franchise. Um, And then he also had a uh, short role in Star Trek phase two. That was season one, episode one uh, in harm's way. That was back in 2004. And then cracks knuckles here we go 11 episodes as crashdown in battlestar galactica his band the crash tones released their first studio album titled colorful of the stereo and that was released in february 15th 2006 and then star wars force unleashed and force unleashed 2 he is the voice of star killer uh two episodes of the walking dead in 2010 Two more Star Wars video games in 2012. He's the voice of Orm in 2015's Justice League Throne of Atlantis. Two more Star Wars games in 2015. Are we sensing a pattern here? Uh, Five episodes of Once Upon a Time uh, as Mr. Hyde. That was in 2016. Two more Star Wars video games in 2017. Multiple voices in Star Wars Rebels, Resistance, and Clone Wars. He was in Solo, A Star Wars Tale, as the voice of Darth Maul. Uh, Five episodes of Riverdale as Rupert Chipping. Uh, He's in CW's Supergirl as Ben Lockwood, a.k.a. Agent Liberty. He did that for 23 episodes. Uh, The Crash Tones, his band, released a new album May 7th, 2019, titled Revenge of the Crash Tones. And his most recent credit, he is the Harvester on Batman Unburied, the podcast series. So uh, if you look up Mr. Sam Whitworth's uh, IMDb page, it is essentially one big long love letter to Star Wars. <laughs> he but it, is, it was like, nice of him to early on show some show some love for Star Trek. So uh, Sam Whitworth, if you happen to hear this, uh, you have an open invitation to come on our show and explain yourself, sir. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, please, we'd love to have no, you he will, show and talk. He will uh, use the dark stuff. side as one of two major characters. I, I have to say, because just to highlight, Sam Witwer is the official voice for Darth Maul. He is yeah. Darth Maul's voice. That is like when 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 he's done multiple voices in these shows, but 
when Darth Maul shows up outside of episode one, it's Sam Witwer. Yeah. And uh, he does a phenomenal job as, as that character. It, watching Star Wars Rebels and the turn that Maul takes in Star Wars Rebels is wonderful. And uh, his performance really, really is a credit to that. You know, I, yeah, I, uh, I, we talked a little bit earlier about my lack of engagement in video games. However, one of the video games I played at length was that first Star Wars Force Unleashed game. And it is awesome. It is so much fun. And he's, he's the main guy. He's, yeah, Darth Vader's apprentice and who ends up turning uh you know turning towards the light and becomes a jedi and it's it's a lot of fun he helps he helps establish the rebel alliance spoilers for yes. a game that's uh, is, over, over 10 years old <laughs> well and also you say that spoilers but they've also since undone that because the disney buyout and erasing all the the yeah. old canon but that <laughs> was the canon sam Witwer's star killer was a huge part of of that and uh yeah and he keeps coming back to star wars because they like him and they like what he's doing and you know yeah. what i do too <laughs> yeah he's yeah he's great i you know i, I like I, in- I mean i i joked about it but honestly if he ends up hearing this please come on the show we'd yeah. love to talk to you <laughs> and also star trek prodigy get him on prodigy <laughs> oh god yes get him on prodigy for something anything oh <laughs> uh well uh any other final thoughts uh no this was a great one i really really like this episode and mm-hmm. uh i i look forward to to seeing more this is re-energizing me to like i should go back and watch star trek enterprise again all the way through you know as we go through it i mean i'm I'm clearly i'm going through episode by episode of everything i i was always kind of like i you know what i don't see what all the fuss is about i actually kind of like enterprise as i'm going through now it's just kind of like i really dig enterprise it's it's a lot of fun it's certainly better than most people get it give it credit for it's not without its flaws I can certainly admit that, but it, it is really good. And I really enjoy it. it. It is a show that shows its budget. Sure. And, yeah. and that's, and that's something that, that is not necessarily fair. It's just at, at the time it happened in, you know, shows had much less budgets than, than enterprise and ended up using that a little better, but that's just, you know, that's part of, it's part of this time than in television making. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know what, if this is, if this is considered like the dark period of the star war, excuse me. Oh, star Trek franchise. Excuse me. I'm about to lose. Uh, it's Okay. Let me go ahead and barricade the door before Paramount kicks it in and takes my show I would, away. <laughs> I would take to that. Just erase that from the continuity Woo! like Disney did to half a star Wars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you know what, if this is considered the dark period of, of the Star Trek franchise, uh, you know what, it's, it's not as dark as people make it out to be. And it's just, you know, thing, you can't have the light without the dark. So uh, this, this is good. Enterprise is a good show. A lot of people who are steering clear of it don't just dive in. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, maybe it's not an all the time watch. Maybe it's not a white noise show for you, but it, it is Star Trek. And I think a lot of things end up getting set up through this stuff. You know, there was, there are bright points of episode one, like Phantom Menace had some good parts to it. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I think we we get, we get a lot of gems. We get, there's a lot of diamonds in the rough here. A lot of rough sometimes, but (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, next week, they say uh, podcasts work better in threes. That's the saying, right? Uh, So next week, we will be joined once more by Mr. Drew Burris to discuss Enterprise Season 3, Episode 8, Twilight, which, of course, is available on Paramount+. Plus. Drew, where can people find you rambling about nerdy things on the internet? You can find me rambling about many, many nerdy things at themoreyounerd.com, which is the podcast that I host with my co- co-host Miles, also a, a frequent guest on this show, Yes, uh, where we, for the last decade, we have done about something new every week in the nerd sphere with the idea that we try to stay as positive about it as possible because there's too much negativity in this world as it mm. is. Mm. You can also find both of us on the Cosmic Crit podcast. Do you like science fiction? Do you like fantasy? Well, this is a tabletop RPG live action role play podcast set in the Starfinder universe, which of course has all of those things. We are in the middle of fourth season, the fourth season of our show. Uh, but you can pick up whenever you'd like. Uh, each season has a brand new cast, a uh, brand new crew that you can start. Uh, well, I guess, except for fourth season where we're bringing back the cast from our first season uh, to do some more higher level adventures. Nice. Uh, and of course you can find that at cosmiccrit.com. And I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials from all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in 10 forward. rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcasts at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop, and our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn, and the voice of Computer Resume Podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods, and we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?